Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Sir. Hola. How's How was it going? You know, pretty good. I have an adopted dog who is scared of me. Well, yeah, that's uh, to be expected with the one's little traumatic past there. So. You know, I know it's not me, but at the same time, it's kind of horrible to have this cute little thing just terrified of you at every moment. Yeah. And constantly rejecting you. Reminding you that you're a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> well, dogs are intuitive that way. They are. They are. They're very intuitive. <laughs> <laughs> Let me add next. That was a perfect comment, by the way. <laughs> hey, sir. I hate the uh, Skype sound. <laughs> I've, I've decided I really don't like it. All right, so next time, uh, Poser, we have to both be singing it when he, you know, connects. This is just teaching you how awful it is. It's catchy, man. It's really catchy. Like a, it's horrible. I, I just think someone's a little cranky. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've so also, I have decided something in the positive end, though. I've decided... As a society, that we need to eat more ham. Well, obviously, but uh, what what brought you to the decision that we need to eat more pig? Well, because uh, I was eating some ham the other day, and I was like, "This is really good." And I just don't think if you were to ask people what their favorite food was, I don't know if there's anybody in America that would say ham, and that's a problem. Ham is delicious. The spiral ham yes. is really, really a great invention. It really is. It's a, a a nice glazed spiral ham is almost as good as a really good prime rib roast, which is saying something. That is high praise indeed. We we get a, a spiral ham every year for Thanksgiving. We didn't do it this year because we didn't have a million people at grandma's. But there's like two turkeys and a ham. And yeah, we had that for like twelve people. <laughs> Yeah, we do it for, like, Grandma, oh, for Thanksgiving normally, it's like 40, 50 people. It's crazy. And then we all go to the ranch afterwards, and we have leftover ham and turkey, so you're having, like, these big, delicious sandwiches for the entire weekend. It's awesome. Ham is great. It is great. As Homer Simpson said, one magical animal. Because, <laughs> see, the great thing about that magical animal is that you can take one part of it and wrap it in another part of it and it makes it even better. Even even more amazing. You can wrap ham and bacon and somehow it's better. Right. You wrap anything in bacon and it's better. Exactly. 
Electric. You know, the engine of a 57 Buick. <laughs> We're having a <bacon> better. <laughs> well, certainly better. It's, mean, a, it's a little oily, but but I literally like the, the bacon. Really, it's not that much more oily. Have, have you noticed how much grease comes <laughs> off of bacon? Right. <laughs> Who was it? Was, uh, it, yeah. was it Gaffigan that talked about the shrinkage in bacon? Oh my god, it's so disturbing. <laughs> uh, when you make bacon, you're like, oh, this is so, so bad for me. Oh, but it's so, so good. Oh god, I love bacon. And welcome to the Sneaky Good Podcast. I'm Poser, and I'm really drunk tonight. I just want to point that out. Is this what you need the extra 10 minutes for to get loaded up so- a little bit more. No, I was walking. I was walking the dog. No, but okay. uh, Posette and I have been drinking all evening, and uh, I don't know know if you're familiar with your alcoholic terminology, but I've had somewhere between eight and ten fingers of whiskey, so I'm a little blitzed. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, <laughs> ask your parents what a finger is. Um, <laughs> I assume it's. I, no, I don't know. I got <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Confused as always. Guess Max. Not even a guest. A regular. Let's be honest. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say I'm responsible for the season, but you are. The same <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. We we added you to the Sneaky Good podcast, and this season happened. It is entirely your fault. But the Florida game also your responsibility. If we're gonna, you get you get the good, you get the bad. So. <laughs> Man, that's a lot of bad, though. Yeah, but the Florida game was pretty fun. And yeah, uh, I saved the program and see, destroyed it. There, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and with me, as always, our producer, Chris, making me sound a little bit more intelligent than I am, which is not very intelligent. Well, I do what I can. Hey, we appreciate it. Or at least I do. I don't know about everybody else. I, I do appreciate it. I do appreciate it. I'm pretty incoherent sometimes, so. Yeah, I, I, I'm beginning to think that I spend most of my life in a somewhat of a state of incoherency. <laughs> <laughs> I guess and, the, the upside is that so many other people are also spending parts of their life in some sort of incoherency, so it kind of balances out. Yeah, like, yeah. So, I have been largely against this season i mean i'm not like campaigning against it where i'm like you know protesting it or anything like that but by and large i think it's a bad idea that said the season kind of justified itself this weekend with lsu uh ruining florida's chances of making the playoffs and then watching dan mullen go on the sec network afterwards and complain about ohio state only playing six games I don't know if you watched the you know aperitif afterwards, but it was beautiful. <laughs> you know, I didn't watch it live because I went straight to Zach Wilson and BYU, which is appointment TV for me. So I saw it after, and as unlikable as Ohio State made themselves last year, and they were insufferable. I, I decided last year that I, I figured I was going to hate Ohio State for the next decade. Now it's I'm honestly kind of starting to like them because of of how much they're you know frustrating all the annoying people in college football. Yeah. Basically, if you come off worse than Ohio State, you're doing something very, very badly. <laughs> I mean, like, Florida is complaining about them. Texas A&M is complaining about them. Uh-huh. is complaining about them. Do you realize LSU's win ruined both Florida and Texas A&M's seasons? I know. It's, it's great. It's- it really, really... 
we, we packed a lot of punch into one, one three-hour session. So good job, team. If you're going to only show up for one game of the season, this was the one to do it. <laughs> Not even Alabama, because they even if they showed up, they were going to lose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. No, no, there was no chance of winning that game. Beating Florida was just funny. You know, you, you cost Kyle Trask the Heisman. Does anyone think he's going to win it now? No. No, but now Mac Jones is, which is so boring. I mean, whatever. I mean, it's it's Alabama winning. No, but it's this is the one opportunity to say, hey, we're not a quarterback award. Like you're one great opportunity, and they're gonna blow it. I agree, but they're gonna blow it. That's because that's what the Heisman does. Well, no, the, I, basically, the history of the Heisman is blowing it. That's what they do. Outside of Deshaun Watson not winning it over Derrick Henry. I don't know how many gripes I have with the decisions in the last decade. I, I will give the Heisman is rarely a travesty. They're just a really boring award is the best way to say it. It is very much a narrative award, which in a way is good because it tells you when if you're a historian and you look back, the Heisman is a very reliable historical indicator of how players were rated in that season. Yeah, that's true, but not this year. But they're not very good at, like, praising oddballs or, like, you know, finding, like, crazy seasons. And it's a very by-the-book award. The tough thing about this year is the the clear two best players in the country have been eliminated from Heisman contention due to extenuating circumstances, namely the, uh, you know, the... The season prohibitive, or at least should have been, virus going around that you may have heard of. Uh, Yeah, I've heard of it. It's uh, I am familiar. You lose Fields and Lawrence, and you have to choose between Kyle Trask, who is actually like was really explosive and good, and Mac Jones, who is just AJ McCarron with a better team and better offense, like at least with a better with better skill players, and (sighs) he's so boring. But he's really good. I'm not saying he's not really good. He killed LSU, obviously, which is easy. But, like, I really think, and I honestly kind of feel strongly, that you give it to the guy that makes that engine really go, and that's Devontae Smith. Yeah, uh, yeah. if nothing else, that would be a fun thing. Give it to a wide receiver this year. I'm totally for that. But going back, so this LSU win cost Kyle Trask the Heisman. It's going to cost Florida a shot at the playoffs. It's going to. If when you start to think about it, it's going to cost A and M their shot at the playoffs because their best win was Florida. And congratulations, your best win no longer means anything. So, really, job well done. Yeah, that I mean, everything about it was so great. Most of all, I mean, I tweeted out before the game. I was like, all I want to see is effort. I don't care if you lose by like forty. And yeah, there was effort. There was effort, and they won. And you see this kind of effort from the young kids who many of whom were not there for 2019 and generally only know this from college football and, you know, being able to be sold during the week on the idea of using it as a jump start for the future is certainly encouraging. The effort was the big part because it shows that Ed Orgeron has certainly not lost the program. Right. And this was a disastrous week. You know, a lot of bad news came down the pike, and he held it together, and they rallied. And yes, there is no better calling card than nobody believes in us, but Ed played it perfectly. 
And look, the thing you worry about if you're a fan, you worry that the head coach has lost the team. And he clearly hasn't. Right. And and if nothing else, even if he had lost that game, that's the takeaway. Yeah, I think the opt-outs and whatnot are the season lost the players, not the team, not the coach. Yeah, I I, honestly, the I, lost the players. I think this really helps for keeping Eric Gilbert. You know, maybe. I, I don't know what's in Eric Gilbert's head, but like. Yeah, know. I agree. We don't know what's in his head, but I think this yeah. is the kind of thing that plays really well. It's like, hey, look. We're just letting you take the rest of the season off for mental health. We got you. We're still a good program. Come on back next year. I think Ed was able to really play the we care about our players card. Right. Uh, and, and the thing is, he he really does. You know, I agree. I think I think that's genuine. I don't even think that's an act. He, he genuinely cares about them. I don't know if he's like Dabo, who's – I legitimately think Dabo's running a cult. I think he has a cult. Uh, well, yeah, which hey. all those guys to stay there. That, that's how you do it. Have you ever been to Clemson? By the way, delicious oh, yeah. ice cream. They have a great dairy store, almost as good as LSU's. Yeah, but UConn's got a great one, and their football program is, you know, nothing. Yeah, okay. I'm not saying that ice cream is the secret to having a good football program. I'm just saying they have a good dairy store. So, well done, Ags. You know, we, we salute you. <laughs> Once again, I must mention that I have been drinking a lot tonight. <laughs> so this is the kind of stream of consciousness you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, I, this is just kind of how I am. Uh, <laughs> I have not had a drink in a couple months. Okay, I don't even, I don't even relate to that. Um, a <laughs> <laughs> like, couple of months. That's... Anybody. Uh, if I'm drinking, I'm drinking. Oh, that's not true. I drank during Election Day and during like two LSU games. So that's not true. Um, yeah. Okay, but what I think is that, so LSU. I think the big takeaway is the effort. They, they, yeah, they they really went all out on this game. But if you really like break down the game, if you know you 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 try and get to the nuts and bolts of it, we're talking the defense still allowed over six hundred yards. They needed one of the freakiest interceptions of all time. <laughs> like yeah. if you're if you're a Florida fan. If you look back on the years of the bounces that have gone LSU's ways, you've got to be slitting your wrists. And you must believe in LSU Jesus at this point and that he hates Florida. <laughs> the other, the other and on top of that, it's like they uh, Florida's moving the ball up and down the field. They were clearly the better team. And what really stopped them was not so much the LSU defense, but that a Fog descended in the fourth quarter, which made it impossible to pass. I mean, again, LSU Jesus. Yeah, if I'm a Florida fan, I'm like, this game doesn't count, which I agree. Florida was the better team, for what it's worth. Well done, Florida. You were better than the worst LSU team in 20 years. But you still lost. But you still lost, and that's kind of this was. Yeah, this was great. It it really justified this stupid, moronic season playing makeup games. Makeup games. The season was over in November. They didn't need to play this game. The only reason this game was being played is because you know the AD of Florida and Dan Mullen and all those players had a hard-on because they wanted revenge for last year, and this is what it gets them. You are not Bama. Florida is not Bama. You know, I, I, I really can't wait till next week because they're going to get murdered. And oh, it's going to be very amusing. Yeah. 
like in the run up to the Bama game, we're like, yeah, we're gonna get killed. Florida, yeah, we thought we were gonna lose, but I don't think there was quite the same attitude of, well, there's no chance we could possibly win. I mean, it is Florida. Right. <laughs> One, they're not as good. Two, their quarterback has a history of being erratic in his decision making and processing. Uh, and that can help you because he did throw a very, very terrible pick six. So, yeah, yeah, just and, and a bad fumble. That so that kind of that fumble out. was just God. That was just a gut wrenching fumble. There were several plays in that Florida game where I was mad as just a fan of football. Yeah, like, me too. I mean, like I'm rooting for LSU, obviously, but Florida made some plays in that game where I was just mad. Just on general principle. And obviously, that goes to the glorious shoe toss. Uh, that That is... I'm trying to think back to all the crazy moments we've seen in the last decade. Obviously, the end of the game against Tennessee in 2010... Still the greatest. Still, still, the, greatest. still the best. That, that's never going to be topped. I'm, this I'm is, sorry. This, it's not to say that the shoe toss is completely unprecedented... Because it is basically just a rehash of the Elijah Moore urine celebration last year, which turns out they're from the same hometown. Yeah, yeah. Who's I, I got to find? We gotta, we gotta ask that mayor some questions. <laughs> I mean, what is going on? <laughs> but like, yeah, the, losing on that, and Dan Mullen's going, yeah. Oh, I didn't see it, and the reporter's like, yeah, he threw a shoe. <laughs> Yeah, I, the ref saying he threw the yard, tw- the, the the shoe twenty yards. I really like the specificity. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Just okay. thinking the exact same thing. I love the specificity by the ref. Like if he had only that just, thrown it, that five just he threw the shoe. That that would have been enough, right? Like normally you go up, unsportsmanlike conduct, throwing the throwing the shoe or, or throwing athletic equipment, however you want to phrase it. But he was so specific on the yardage that it went. Like, if he had thrown it five yards, it wouldn't have been a penalty. It's right. like, look, you can throw a shoe ten yards, and we'll let it go. But you threw it 20 yards. That's a penalty. It's like, all right, look, if you had thrown it, you know, <sighs> horizontally towards the LSU sideline, maybe we'll let it go. But um, um, And then for Mullen after the game to say that he was uh, making a football move. Now, yeah, that, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that happens. I like I like I, I don't break down film like you do, but if you design a play in which a guy has to throw a shoe, <laughs> I, I think uh, you've really run afoul. <laughs> like Look, Dan he, Mullen's innovative, but you know he's not that innovative. I don't God. I don't know of any concept where you throw a shoe. And the crazy thing is, I don't even think that was the worst decision in the final two minutes of the game. The clock management on LSU's final drive was worse than anything Les Miles ever did. It was and, really bad, but nobody cared because they were shocked yeah, they were in the game. I, I think that's exactly right. No one you cared. can really say it was it, worse it, it than shows, anything Miles has ever done. It shows the power of narrative. Like, Les Miles got crucified for the Auburn game in which he called a pass play with 10 seconds left when he was down by three and scored a touchdown with three seconds left. So was indisputably correct. Cause even if the pass was incomplete, he still could have kicked the field goal and he got crucified for that call because that's the power of narrative. Ed Orgeron planned 
to pl- with a minute and a half left in the game to run out the clock to kick a 57-yard field goal. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. The one thing I will say to justify it is if I had to play devil's advocate, because I do think it was kind of bad. <laughs> kind of? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. The score was tied, and you have a true freshman quarterback. You are very worried about an interception, especially in the fog, in which Florida just goes and wins the game. So you want to say, all right, we'll take this to overtime, where you certainly would have lost, but it's, you know, we'll take this to overtime unless we get this, you know, unless we convert this crazy prayer kick, in which case, great. If you uh, are the inferior team, if you are the inferior team on the road, you always play to win on your last possession. And this goes for like overtime when teams try to kick. You should always go for a touchdown. And if you score a touchdown, you should go for two because you're the inferior team and you need it to come down to crazy variance. Playing for a fifth, forget about the individual decisions, which were terrible. The tactics were god awful, but the, the tactics were just a function of a horrible sh- strategy, which was hey, we're in position to kick a 57-yard field goal, which not only has our kicker never done before, but no kicker in the history of LSU has ever done. And we're going to plan on that to be our game-winning play. Is a level of stupid that I can't even comprehend. Like, if you have to kick a 57-yard field goal, okay, it happens. But to plan to kick for a 57-yard field goal – and then to have the clock running to that check down pass on third down to have to sprint onto the field to kick a fifty seven yard field goal by John is, he actually had Booty open on the other side of the field on like a fifteen yard like uh, back route for a first down. The level of terrible decision making. I, I mean, I dare you to find me a worse last miles call. I, I mean, the Ole Miss game. That's just because Jordan Jefferson got sacked. I mean, that wasn't a play call. It was he got sacked. This was Max Johnson decided to check down. <laughs> he also, a couple of plays previous. I, I think it was a couple of plays previously. He Because I remember freaking out about this on Twitter. He passed up a like a, an at least 35-yard gain potential touchdown to Coy Moore on a crossing route that he had. And he just missed yeah, it. Yeah, I, I mean, it was... I mean, God, it was bad. I mean, but that's not even time management. That's just Max Johnson's Max Johnson. I, yeah, I mean, we... yeah, he's he's limited as a processor now, maybe forever. Who knows? Uh, but, I mean, running – they ran the football on second down. Yeah, well, I had that they, one. They, I they ran the ball. Like, they didn't even – You should run. never do that. I, I mean, oh, God, it hurt me so much. Like, I, I can't even – I can't even talk about it rationally. It It's two days later, and it was just like stupid decision after stupid decision, and then it worked out okay. And then Dan Nolan bailed him out with, a t- with his timeout. Yeah, see, that one I thought was good because – No, was- you, always, you always make the other team sprint onto the field and kick a panicked 57-yarder. That's – yeah, the whole yeah. idea of, oh, well, we could run down the field and gain 50 yards in 20 seconds, which, by the way, did happen. Yeah, they did do that. Yeah, I mean, just because you did gain 50 yards in 20 seconds doesn't make that a good plan. The better way is to make them hurry up and kick a 57-yard field goal on a shortened play clock. 
I'm. I honestly still think Cade York would have made it. That kick looked like he was kicking it for thirty-two. Uh, he was. God, that guy's nails. That that was the greatest kick of his life. Cade York is in his LSU career nine of eleven from fifty plus, and the NFL average for fifty plus is around fifty percent. God, he. I, I will give Cade York. My God, in a game that ended on a series of terrible decisions made by a lot of people. Cade York was nails. He was the one guy who was just, he's like, I got this. And yeah, he, he I think he would have hit that from 60. It would have been good from like 63. I mean, it was, it was near NFL record levels. And I mean, this guy is already better than like half the kickers in the NFL because kickers in the NFL are having a rough year. I mean, Look, kickers in the NFL are very, very good. And, you know, honestly, look, we've had good kickers here. But that might have been – I don't want to take away from the kick against Auburn. But yeah, that's up – yards. Yeah, I mean, the Cole Tracy kick – the kick Tracy, I still think is the greatest kick in LSU history. I think this is number two. No, this is one. I mean, if that's it's better than the kick Tracy. I mean, no, this the was difference- – the difference with kick Tracy is if you miss that kick and remember that was still from distance. It was like 45 yards. It was not a gimme. If you miss that kick, you lose. This was, you missed it. You're not going to get blamed. You miss from 57. No one blames the kicker. Yeah. The, uh, the Cole Tracy kick. Oh, it was from 42. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. That's pressure. Yeah, I know, but this is 57 in the, in a week when your program was bleeding from a hundred I agree with I agree with it. The difference is I'm just saying the difference in pressure is this. If Tracy misses, LSU loses, and he's the GOAT. Because 42 yards you should hit. Cade York, if he misses, everyone's blaming Ed Orgeron for the clock management and playing for a 57-yard field goal. Right, okay. and even then, with that kind, with more negative momentum against him, that would have yeah. been pretty bad for O. For o. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's great for O. But I'm saying for York, when he walks out there, he is no matter what happens at that point, he's golden. Yeah, but I don't. I, even if it, Matt, even if they were down one, I, I, I don't, I don't think he cares. Oh, he doesn't care. I mean, God, kid, York, that was that was a hell of a kick. But, yeah, I do think those are the two of the biggest kicks in LSU history. They turned defeat into victory. Yeah, I mean, so did so did Kyle Trask in Florida's red zone offense. Yeah, that's – what are you going to do? I mean – Well, you're going to score. You should, you should score. <laughs> you are playing LSU's reserve corners on the already worst defense in the SEC – you score more. You score more than thirty-four points. I don't care how many yards you put up. Like Kyle and Kyle Trask on a down-to-down basis wasn't very efficient. He posted zero EPA per play, which is actually less than Max Johnson, because he was basically just you know like nine twenty-plus completions and general indecision between. I mean, it was bizarre. Let's put let's put this. LSU had four red zone chances and. They scored four times. Uh, I think three of them were touchdowns. Was one of them a kick at the end of the half, though, like when they just got it and kicked? I don't think they got in the red zone on that one. Uh, But Katie York, I think, hit hit a short field goal to start the third quarter. You know, that that one that got kind of where uh, Chase and Hines got called for holding. Florida had eight 
trips to the red zone. Eight. That is – that's bad, people. Like, I don't even care what your red zone average is. If you get eight trips to the red zone, your defense has failed. They got eight trips to the red zone. They scored four touchdowns, and they kicked two field goals. And I think that's the difference in the game. The fact that McPherson kicked a 20 uh, – what is it? He kicked a 23-yard field goal, and he kicked a 31-yard field goal. And that is the difference in the football game, that Florida got inside the 20 eight times and only scored four touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I really, really did think he was going to make the last kick. Like, I was I was pretty sure he was going to make it. Yeah, um, 51 is – once again, it's 51. No one's going to blame a guy for missing from 51. Uh, he, good. It, I mean, it was close, but I, I didn't think it was going to hit it because of how the game had gone. Like, does that make any sense? Like, it was too yeah. poetic for him to – well, Bo, it, it would have been – but from a season standpoint, yes, the Bo Pelini defense – giving up a game-tying field goal after a apparent game-winner with 23 seconds is spot-on to Bo Pelini. But within the game, that was Florida finding ways to lose. They, they, were, they spent the entire game shooting themselves in the foot. So missing on that final field goal just was par for the course for the game. Yeah, it really was. And, of course, they didn't deserve to win – even though they were the dominant team. Yeah. The, the fact that they were close and they let LSU even be close is humiliating considering who they are supposed to be and who LSU is. Yeah, I mean, this is – Florida had everything to play for. For them to just – I mean, just to crap the bed the way they did is you, – you cannot do that. This was a layup to make because if they win that game and then they get blown out by Alabama, they still make the playoffs. Nah, two losses this year. Who else is going to go? I mean, Florida's Ohio at least. State. Yeah, and then I think it would go over the Notre Dame Clemson loser. So no. Florida would have been the fourth team in. Well, well, only if Clemson were the loser because they they wouldn't take they wouldn't give it to two loss Florida. Who has no legit wins versus Notre Dame with a win over Clemson? No way. Uh, I don't think you've uh, paid attention to the last 10 years of college football where well, the rule it, is in it, case it of anything close, it goes to the games. SEC team. It, and that's just how it works. That's true, but they've also never given they've never put a two loss team in over a one when they had the chance and they've had several chances. No, well, except for when LSU won a national title. Well, I mean, but still there was only two teams then and LSU still made it. So like, there was no, no other one loss team at the, in that point. There were one loss teams. It was just, they were all terrible. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying when in doubt, I, I doubt it, but I don't think there is, I don't think there would have been doubt, but it doesn't matter. Cause Florida just is about to fall to, Whatever in three. Yeah, they're done. I mean, that just oh, – I, I mean, that was their season. And for them to lose that game is any, with everything on the line is just an inexcusable loss. Yeah, that's like, that that's unbelievable. And God, it was great. It was, it was really great. And it was uh-huh. – because what we were talking about is just they need some good news, and that's not going to happen while they're playing football. I mean, obviously, we got proved wrong, but... Yeah, yeah, no, th- uh, this was... And also, 
for it to happen just a few days before signing day, that that's definitely a momentum builder so you can close the season on a high note. Yeah, it depends it, how well it depends how close the decisions are for some of these guys to the point where they're just looking for tiebreakers and who's at the forefront of their mind well, and all that kind it, of stuff. It doesn't I don't think this sways anybody who's on the It fence. doesn't, right. No, I agree with that. But I'm saying from a narrative standpoint, now LSU ends with a big win over Florida. If they have a good signing class, which we'll know by the time this drops, uh, we don't know while we're recording it. And then if they can beat Ole Miss next week, all of a sudden you've got a little bit in there. We were talking about this last week. All of a sudden you suddenly have some narrative momentum of good news. Yeah, I mean, if you get a good signing class and you end up 5-5, five and five, you can easily basically say, and you can easily make this argument, if they end up 5-5, five and five, it is the equivalent of an 8-4 and four season because you would have added three cupcakes and dropped Missouri. Yeah. So it's the equivalent of 2009. Oh, 2008. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's not a great year. You're not going to throw a parade. But the way they came back at the end, I think it shows that the program showed resilience and bounce back. This is, this was a big win for the program and gave them some good news, so, which mean? now means you now need to follow it up with a good recruiting class and Ole Miss. Do you think they can beat yeah. Ole Miss? Uh, why not? I mean, Ole yeah, Miss – Ole Miss's defense is worse than LSU's, which is un- which is saying something. God, how is and that possible? I don't know, but Matt Corral, their quarterback, is extremely impressive. But he did throw six interceptions in a game that they lost because of it against Arkansas. So I mean, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I worry about LSU playing in a game they need to win because this was this was a good win because there was no pressure on you, right? Like, hey, whatever. No one was going to be upset if you lost. Now you go into the Ole Miss game. This is kind of a must win. And I'm curious how the team reacts to knowing they have to win. Yeah, that that is true. Um, I will also say this game might not be played. because uh, Miss- It might not. Yeah, it might not. If it doesn't, it look, shouldn't. I, I, look, I don't think we should have played the Florida game. I think the only what makes this game so great is that we shouldn't have played it and it cost Florida. Like the only reason we're make playing these makeup games is because of a vindictive desire to get revenge and it blew up in their face. And that makes it really funny. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if Ole Miss cancels, uh, Ole Miss cancels. So I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm not. If they want to get to the postseason as soon as they do, and also that would be a very Ole Miss kind of thing to do to screw LSU, say, hey, look, you don't get a um, a winning season because uh, we canceled the game. I would think that's really funny too. So yeah, but I I really wouldn't care all that much. Oh no, I wouldn't care, but I I still think that would be a beautiful way to finish it up. Yeah, especially since then I would get to watch uh, Notre Dame Clemson more closely. Yeah, if- I. I'm going to care more about Notre Dame Clemson. Let's let's be honest. Well, I'm not going to care more, but I'm getting no. I'm going to end up watching the LSU game. I, what am I, What am I talking about? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll watch the. Yeah, exactly. It, it, I I am interested to see Max Johnson against a defense who is terrible because well, Florida's defense is terrible, but N- nothing is as bad as Ole Miss's defense. But yeah, uh, Florida's except, defense except LSU's. But I mean, God, this is how bad this year has been. I'm looking at it. Florida actually ranks fifth in the SEC in total defense and yards per game. And by yards per play, they rank fourth. That's how mm-hmm. bad this 
That's how bad this year is. Florida is actually an above-average defense in the SEC. This is why I think the anybody – this is one of the reasons I think that anybody to Joe Burrow this year comparisons are stupid is because Joe Burrow was playing against fully installed defenses and Mac Jones and Kyle Trask are not. Yeah, I mean, look, the best players opted out, and good for them. They should have. Most teams, if, if you were a star player, unless you go to Alabama because, you know, they're just a machine, you opted out. Right. At some yeah. point or another. Yeah. So, but other than that, I don't really think I have a whole lot more on the Ole Miss game. It'll be fun if they play. Who knows how they react to it. But with that, let's go to question time. All righty. Vinny Bartles wants to know, worst performance of the weekend? Miami's defense? Arizona's defense, or ESPN Plus ending the stream of Ball State, Western Michigan early so no one knew the ref's final decision on the review of that crazy kick return until a student reporter in the stands tweeted it out. Oh my god, I went to bed, so... (laughs) I I wasn't even paying attention. I had no idea. That's amazing. That's (laughs) terrible. Like, Yeah, that's got to be ESPN Plus. Get your act together, guys. But Arizona was pretty bad. <laughs> Let's not kid ourselves. There, There is terrible defense being played throughout the land. Giving up 70 points to Arizona State, who's not even that great of an offense, is, is pretty bad. North Carolina at least has a competent offense. So even no, though my, great offense. So even though Miami was terrible defensively, I'll at least let that one slide. Clearly Arizona is worse than Miami's performance if we're talking football. Yeah. Can, can we agree with that? Arizona was worse than Miami. I mean, but giving I, up two 200 yard rushers is something, but. 62 to 70 points is kind of my. Yeah, that's that's humiliating. But I'm going to have to say that I had no idea about the Ball State thing, and that's. What are you doing, ESPN Plus? <laughs> I mean, you're, you're online. You don't have to go anywhere. It's not like you right, have to cut. Exactly. <laughs> it's like there's a, another commercial break we have to get in right now that you can't wait on. That's brutal. Yeah, like, oh my god. Let's see. I had no idea this happened. I'm now trying to see if I can find any details in this. Ball State wins Mac West, survives on a wild last play, 30 to 27. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Um yeah, guys, stick with it. I mean, there's you have nowhere else to be. And uh, I, I do like ESPN's comment under the video is touchdown or not. This is the wildest ending to a football game you'll ever see. Well, apparently not, ESPN. <laughs> if that happened during an LSU game, I would be very mad about it. Yeah, I'd be livid. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the worst. Well, speaking of wild things that happened during LSU games, Vinny Barles also asks, if you were going to get a penalty as a player for throwing equipment of some sort, what would it be? I think I try and huck the first down marker like a javelin. <laughs> that is that has always been my dream. To uh, I don't think it would throw as well as you think it would. I don't think so I'm, either. But I'm with them, like, especially I if the would, chain is still attached to it. That's going to yeah, put some drag on it. You know, it really is. You, you kind of need help. I think you need two people to work in tandem to throw it together. Right. But God, I would love to throw the first down marker as a javelin. That's. I think you could adjust it for the dial it down, which is more throwable. <laughs> there you Ooh, go. There you go. Better. There you. That's thinking on your feet right there. And it, yeah. And you know you're not wrong because having you know been a flag football dad for one season for one of my kiddos, I had to hold the dial it down 
stick. And you are correct, Max. That would be a little more aerodynamic. Okay, yeah. Let's throw the dial down. That's good. Yeah. But I'm with you. Well, that, 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 that's... Anybody with it like a uh, like a stop sign. Yeah, I'm, I'm not like trying to hit. So I'm not trying to injure someone. I'm just going for comedy. Like I, I do think that's the thing I would most want to throw. Throw if I'm trying to throw another person's piece of equipment. I mean, I went to a hockey game once in which a guy ripped off another guy's helmet and beat him upside the head with it. And <laughs> I, I still think it's the best use of someone else's equipment. Like um, if you're gonna do something. I think, but man, the shoe is such a good answer. Like, because you can't really throw someone's towel, throwing yeah. their jock, throwing the, you know, throwing their anything to re- related to their jock strap is just gross. Um, dig in for it. Yeah, you don't right. want to do that. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you're punishing yourself more right. than anyone. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, dial it down. I still think is the best way to go. Or if we're going for something of another. From another player, I do think the shoe is the best way to go. Yeah, I mean, helmets are pretty heavy. You wouldn't get a lot of distance. You certainly, I don't know if you'd get 20 yards out of it. Yeah, 20 yards is impressive. Let's let's admire the athleticism. <laughs> <laughs> he's, yeah, he's got a stronger arm than Max Johnson does. Yeah, Ooh. Max Johnson can't throw anything 20 yards down the field. <laughs> He did have that one forty-one yard completion over the top to Keishon Bouti. That if he had, if if I'm nitpicking, if he if he actually puts it, you know, over his shoulder, that's a touchdown. But who Keishon Bouti is awesome, by the way. Oh yeah, he's awesome. Like he he has shown out. That's that's it's good to know we're in good hands there. He um, stepped right in for Terrace Marshall, and yeah, it has yeah. a huge drop off. Yeah, Bouti and Jarris. That's the one thing of Terrence Marshall leaving, which made it okay. You knew we were in good hands. Bouti and um, Jenkins. We have receivers. Uh, let's not worry. Yeah, Jenkins got Jenkins needs to learn to catch the ball, but like he's, you know, I I, I question if he can be great. But he's if they lose Avery Gilbert, I think he's a fine number two. If yeah, they lose I, Gilbert, he's a great number three. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because then, if if you return Eric Gilbert, you can go in, yeah. you can actually base out of twelve and use Cole Taylor as like the tight end and Eric Gilbert in the slot more often, you know, more often than not. This is and let's give credit to Cole Taylor. It was his shoe that got tossed. Like no one ever thought Cole Taylor was going to factor this large into an <laughs> LSU win. Yeah, I mean, he could, if he could. Let's say hypothetically, Eric Gilbert comes back. He, uh, he, and Cole they Taylor not, never really heard from again. They do not throw Eric Gilbert's shoe. I'm just saying that now. He doesn't no, get stopped Eric on that ball. terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. 50. Yeah, they, they throw Cole Taylor's shoe. They're, you're not throwing Eric Gilbert's shoe, and that is the difference in the game. So Gilbert opting out is what caused this victory. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I drove the train too hard to get off. Let's see. That's how the drunk mind works. Next question. <laughs> All right. So, Stephen at Stegeman17 asks If Andavelli Shook held a shoe throwing competition, who would win? No, not me. Uh, well, I don't know. Because I, I do play club baseball. All right. So, and Zach's a band geek. So, I should beat him. Andy's not here to defend himself. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, he's not here, so <laughs> we're clearly going to beat him. Uh, I was always pretty good at uh, 
you know, I did my uh, Fred McGriff drills. Uh, I could I could throw the ball to home plate pretty well. You know, in my softball games, I could nail the runner. I, I couldn't do much else when playing, but I, I could field real good. <laughs> now I got to figure out how to grab it though, because am I grabbing it by the laces and doing it like a a? Yeah, you're yeah, throwing, are you footballing it, or you? Yeah, that's kind of what. I, I think the discus toss is a bad plan. I think you grab it by the toe. And then you just chuck it end over end. End over end. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, I think so. I think that's your best technique. And honestly, I think the technique that the Florida player had was the best possible way to do it. You know, he got a full arc on it. He really got some loft on it. It went end over end. He had a, you know, the, he kind of had the old Johnny Unitas position as he threw it. I think there was some real technique there. Yeah, I mean, he really spun it tight. So much so that it warranted a penalty. Yes, but I'm going to, you know, I- I'll go with the young guy. I'll say Max could out-toss me. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably give it up to Max. I could, I could probably get it 20 yards, but I'm thinking Max could go a little farther than that. Yeah, I, I think I, if I won, I would throw out my back. How about right. That? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have any experience throwing shoes. I don't think so. No, I, I throw my shoes at my kids all the time, but like not in a, like a negative way. I'm like, put on your shoes. So, but that's more of like the loft kind of thing, right? Because you're trying yeah. not to hurt them. You, you know, yeah, I need, you, I need you to take it, and I'm going to do you quickly, but I'm trying not to injure you at the same time. You're more tossing it to them, right? Yeah, it's more of a toss than a you know, than a true throw to them. Yes, yeah, exactly. I'm not playing dodgeball with them. I, I want them to catch it. Is that well? That would be fun. <laughs> Now, Billy yeah, Madison dodgeball scene is one of my favorite scenes in movie history. Yeah, if if you could peg off one of your kids with a shoe, really it would be entertaining, but it would not be worth it in the long run. No, no. Um, no when the child services shows up. Yeah, not in the crying jag. Your wife would be really pissed. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, you, you don't want to. Yeah, and then you know CPS comes and takes away your children. So none of that's good. But. For that five seconds, it would be worth it. Just, you know, just bam, feet overhead. Because <laughs> you know it would happen. Because my kids can't catch anything. Yeah, I think it would be a shoe. All right, so wrapping up the questions, Jacob Hibbert asks, what are your top five favorite LSU wins, not counting title games? Oh. <sighs> Yeah, uh, that, that doesn't. That means no SEC title games, right? Yeah, I was, let's or throw out. Anyway. Yeah, let's just throw out all title games. Say no SEC, no, no um, bowl games. I wouldn't have picked a bowl game. No bowl, game, bowl games would count, but yeah, who's going to pick a bowl game? I mean, geez, how lame are you? Unless uh, it's like from the sixties and you're, yeah, you know, yeah. Okay, I, I would, I would at least consider the Fiesta Bowl. That's a major. Real ball, yeah. Something where you're totally ruining somebody else's season. Yeah, those are great games. That was the. I really do. I I really could think. I would argue that's the start of 2019 LSU. Oh, I agree. I think that's. I I would even go further back. I would say the Auburn game is the no because they sucked for. They didn't suck, but they were. eh, They they lost games after that. They did. When they, I think when, they played, when you look at it, the Auburn game was like the spark, but the spark didn't yeah. catch until the Fiesta Bowl. Okay, that's, that, that's the way a I, really would, good I would look at it. Joe Burrow, that's... the new quarterback during bowl practices, like once, once he got hit by that UCF guy, yeah, that, that changed everything. Yeah. Joe Burrow, and that was it. 
I will say that if you remember, the Fiesta Bowl was kind of boring in the fourth quarter because it was LSU was basically trying to hang on and just get out of there, and yeah. UCF just wouldn't go away. It was clear UCF cared a lot more about that game than LSU did. Oh, they needed to win it. They had to. They had been, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That like declaring themselves the new Alabama for two years. That was no, no. We we had enough. We had enough, and we did the world favor. No, the only thing I don't like about it, and you know, I always like LSU winning, is that afterwards Alabama fans were happy. So you know something bad happened if Alabama fans were happy. Yeah, so, and then they won the national. Wait, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. Not that year. No, they, they lost. They got blown out. But if I'm saying my favorite LSU wins, the bring back the magic game is still my favorite game of all time. Uh, I was hit in the head with a whiskey bottle, and I'm pretty sure I suffered a concussion. And I may have tackled a friend of mine down five rows of bleachers, and I oh. thought I killed her. I thought I killed her. Oh. Um, oh, and um, there is nothing better than the come up. Like, as great as it is to play, like, these big, like, you know, top ten matchups and stuff like that, those are great. Like, the back – like, the LSU-Georgia game, when LSU beat Georgia, you know, when Georgia returned, scored in the, uh, the long touchdown, and the crowd still chanted LSU – just a great win. Those epic heavyweight matches, those are great. But there's something to be said for when you're terrible and then you finally get hope and you start yeah. winning. So um, I, I think the, that LSU-Georgia game, I forget what year it was, that was amazing. Uh, the Bring Back the Magic game against Auburn, it will always be one of my favorite games. I, I think you know, the 2019 LSU-Auburn game winning oh. – yeah, I think the the kick Tracy was just no, that was 2018. 2018, I'm sorry. The, the the 2018 kick Tracy game is just yeah, that was really great. I was uh, it, it was it, because you thought the program was dying. It's another one of those games where you thought like if LSU loses that game, dark things happen. That was epic, defining. So that's really high on my list. Honestly, I think the 2010 LSU Alabama game when they uh the D'Angelo Peterson run. Yeah. I I mean, that was years of misery kind of stuff. I know 2019 over Bama is one of those kind of games, but if I have to choose, I would choose that 2010 Bama game from a cathartic standpoint meant more to me. And honestly, 2007 LSU, Florida. That's yeah. The fourth down game, Jacob. Hester. Yeah. Jacob Hester. That's, that's gotta be, we're talking about Titanic, you know, heavyweights going, you know, head to head. That's yeah, that's definitely on my. That'd be one of my top five for sure. I, I mean, that game was awesome, uh, just awesome. Yeah, what uh, sucked, I got into this after that, so that was that's that's just lore to me at this point. Oh, it, it was. I, I I swear to God, I will name my first ulcer two thousand and seven. That was not a fun season to live through. It was 2007 was all misery until the end. It was the greatest college football season of all time, though. Yeah, it, I mean, like, there, it's sort of like the old, the old Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. 2007 right. was an interesting season. Every game was just stressful as hell. I, I mean, looking back on it, I love that season. But living through it was terrible. Yeah, I guess he, it, I was... I was just I was pretty much just a Giants fan at that point, which was a pretty great year for that. Uh, cuz if I had been an LSU fan at the time, that would have been a great sports year. 
because 2011 was almost my great sports year because UConn won the national championship in basketball, the Giants won the Super Bowl, and LSU lost to Bama, and that was close to – and the Rangers lost in the East Final after almost winning the President's Trophy. That was – I hope I get back there soon because all those other things except the Giants are trending up. But if I had to pick top five wins, uh, I would say five – no, I'm counting down from one so I know what I'm eliminating. I would say one is – I can't pick title games. One is Bama 2019 for obvious reasons because I just basically got in, watched the 20 got into the fan base, watched the 2010 Bama game, watched 2011 and then watched it all everything else, which is was just a huge majority of it. So, I just thought they were cursed at that point. That would be one. Number 2 Ah, man. I would say number 2 is probably all is also from 2019. It's probably Florida because I remember during that game or during the week of that game, basically convincing myself mentally it was the Bama game almost. And really, because like we needed a win and how we I, how badly I wanted to beat Florida. I'll be uh, honest, the game outside of Bama of 2019 that stressed me the most was Auburn. Yeah, uh, Auburn. At one point, I convinced myself that they were actually going to lose because. When Joe Burrow threw that pick at the beginning of fourth the fourth quarter, I had thought Joe Burrow had forsaken us, and that was a bizarrely hopeless feeling. Because when you have your rock throw an interception... Yeah, that was the one game where I was like... Because like, even Florida, they say, oh, Florida had the lead in the fourth quarter. I was never nervous. I know it sounds weird, but like I knew we were going to beat Florida. Auburn, I was nervous. Yeah, I mean, Auburn, I thought... like Because Oklahoma had lost earlier that day. So I had basically said, like, all we need to do right now is win against Auburn, and we're in the playoff. And I was like, oh, my God, they're going to lose to Bo Nix. I mean, they lost to Bo Nix this year, but, you know, who cares? And that was stressful. But that was not – that was my least favorite game of the entire season. I hated that game. That or Ole Miss, although the 58 points was really fun. But, like, they held Joe Burrow and LSU to, like – 23 points. Yes, 500 yards, but I mean, that was frustrating. I also got to go with 2014 Ole Miss was awesome. The game of the century was awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think yeah, the game of the century will always be in my personal top five, mainly because I was also there. Oh, so. yeah, if you were there. Oh. Yeah, because like, I thought the. Tw- I mean, I think the 2011 game is actually a better game, but as far as, like, what was a better win from, like, how it yeah. felt, I think yeah. 2010 was the the more emotional win. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, what are, uh, what, are, what other wins are there? Because I'm trying to think by quarterback eras. Oh, uh, 2017 Auburn was awesome. When they came back yeah. from 20 nothing and saved the program. Yeah. That was yeah, amazing. That, yeah, that, that was amazing. And the and I would say the kick Tracy game. I'm sure I'm missing something. Yeah, like, I'm sure I'm sure we're missing a lot. But you know, 2014 go, kind of sucked. 15 sucked. 16 sucked. I, I will say this going back uh, for everyone who asked because I am old enough to remember it. The earthquake game is overrated. Yeah, Boom! Okay. I said it. I was also like, at that game. Yeah, I mean, it's just God. The game is not. It, it wasn't my old. age too. So. Yeah, I, the game that I, from that era, from the 80s, that I thought was you know better was uh, when they – the Eric Hill game where he saves the touchdown to beat Alabama. Yeah. 
I, I was it 86, I think. Something like that, yeah. I think it's 86 Bama. I, I, I the eight the earthquake game now lives in lore, and I get it, but the game itself pretty terrible. <laughs> I think the reason the earthquake game lives on the way it does is. Yes, it was an exciting you know, last-second touchdown, but I remember the feeling on campus the, that Monday when the, the Reveille came yeah. out and the story broke about the seismograph getting the, the bump from the, student, you know, from the stands. And students I think the other stuff. thing is that, that was what kind of cemented it in everyone's head was at the time, the feeling was, hey, that was a great win. You know, last second coming from behind, blah, 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 blah. But the lore started didn't start for until a few days later because it, for the a day or so, it was just a local story. Like like I said, the Reveille was the the one that broke it, and then the local paper picked it up, and then it kind of got traction going forward from there. I think the big thing about it also was it was the last great game for a long time. Yeah, that's for sure. Like eighty nine to ninety two, there's just not a lot. To and ninety three was a terrible season, but you have the pigs fly game. Yeah, there just there was nothing. So eighty eight was kind of the season you pointed to. Hey, remember the good times. And so I think the earthquake game gets blown up as this great football game because you had nothing, and that's what you clung to. But I think there were better games in the eighties. If we're choosing my favorite game from the eighties, it's the oranges fly. Oh yes. Uh, Again, Florida State, which is beating the snot out of Florida State is just yeah. the best. At that game, and, too. Yeah, and refusing to play on national TV. Think yeah. about that one. This is how what college football used to be like, Max. Oh, my God. They offered LSU money and Florida State to change kickoff from 7 o'clock to the middle of the day so they could broadcast it on ABC, and LSU said no. So they could have a night game. And it wasn't on TV. You couldn't watch it. I lived in Maryland. I had to listen to it on a clear channel radio <laughs> signal, which I could barely pick up. You could only pick up by sitting on my roof. And I listened to the game with my dad sitting on the roof of my house. And LSU pounded the snot out of Florida State after turning down TV money. Well, Sounds to be like fair, Florida couple... State got the revenge in 91. Oh, uh, they, they told they me back. that. That so. was so good. But that game was great. And Yeah, but like once again, it's the empty revenge. Oh, you beat our 91 team? Right. Oh, no. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the funny story about that 91 game was I distinctly remember listening to this game on the radio at my apartment. We didn't go to the game because we were planning, my then-fiancé, now-wife, we were planning on driving down to Kenner to – to, to see her parents for the evening and spend the night and then come back, you know, up to, for school Sunday afternoon. And so I'm sitting there kind of throwing a bag together. We're listening to the game and Holy crap, LSU is beating the number one team in the country. And we got so excited. This was back before all the security protocols kind of went out the, you know, yeah. Yeah. Out of control, so to speak. And, Basically, we just walked up to the student section gate, and the gu- the guy let us in. I'm like, I just I, I pulled out one of my old ROTC shirts and said, "Hey, we're here to help the ROTC guys because you know back then they thought a bunch of you know twenty something year old uh, college kids could help the sheriff's deputies hold back a crowd if someone decided to ru- if they decided to rush the field, you know." 
So we you know, met up with our, our friends there in the student section in front of the band and then proceeded to get soaking wet because it was raining and watch Florida prove that they were the number one team, Florida State rather, prove they yeah. were the number one team in the country by coming back and beating the crap out of LSU in the second half. But still, we had a lot of fun. So, Yeah, just – like so – yeah, there there were the eighties is still my favorite era just because it was crazy. Like the nineties are depressing and there's some great moments in there. Once you start getting into the you know, the aughts and the teens, the team's just great all the time. And that's fun. Like I'm yeah. not knock it's it's better to refer to him as great, but there's something to be said for the 1980s where you didn't know when the season began whether this was going to be a great LSU team or a terrible one, and there was nothing in between. <laughs> the 80s were more about on the edge of your seat the whole time. Yeah. It, because, it was, like you said, you didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, you think Les Miles was crazy. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and the 90s just made you want to just put a bullet in your brain. It was it was bad. I'm not so. sure if I would throw this in my in my top five, but it's certainly more, very memorable for me. Yeah, you know, we were at the 2011 game that opened the season against Oregon. That was a good. Oh, one. that was a, that's a great game. And, God, that was a great win. You know, when, when a friend gets tickets for you, you don't really complain about where they are. So we were in the corner of the end zone, in the Oregon section. We were a, a little row of purple, me and my and family, uh, amongst all the yellow and green. When Terrence Matthew had that awesome special teams play on the the punt that he clobbered the guy with, knocked out of his hands, and just basically picks it up in stride and strolls into the end zone. That was our corner that we were in. And I I can tell you, I could close my eyes and see and hear it in my head. The end of the towards the end of the game there in the fourth quarter. The LSU fans opposite us, where the band was, so I'm guessing there was also a heavy student presence over there as well were chanting overrated with the <laughs> organ o over their heads it was so loud and it was so great i just kind of stood there and smiled i did not chant along i was trying to be respectful yeah, of all the people around me but yeah uh, they're alive yeah, exactly and I also i i would like to say this for my mother who uh um doesn't listen but did att- her family did have season tickets when she was a little girl she would always say in the 1958 lsu Ole miss game oh yes. she was there for she was there for billy cannon and she will say that is the greatest uh game in lsu history so i'd at least like to throw out that there are people older than i am and they do remember the old games and that one was pretty great. Funny story about uh, that 1958 team. Uh, I got to meet a member of it. My mother worked for him in Baton Rouge as a legal secretary. He was, one of, the, he was one of the attorneys that she worked for. Look at that. So, yeah. And he had just, I, I got to meet him only one time. I, I stopped by the office for, for something and because uh, I was coming home from school or on my way to school and you know, was on the way and, she goes, hey, you know, Mr. So-and-so is here. Because I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, who it was. But uh, he had this giant uh, painting that somebody had done in, in honor of the 1958 team on his wall that I can still see in my mind's eye. It was just really well done. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm with your mom. I, I have to yeah. go with that being one of the top five. Hey, look, they still play it before games, and it still drives Ole Miss fans crazy. Yeah. And that's the most important thing because it is Ole Miss week, and Ole Miss, go to hell, Ole Miss. Go to hell. Go Tigers.
Je vais raconter 